there, there's an element of convincing, I suppose, but it's kind of, well, you've said to me how you want to look and in essence that's how I look right now like you're saying to me I want to look like you and I'm saying to you well this is how we do it is by building muscle you know I'm not huge by any stretch of the imagination like I said you know I don't look masculine in my physique and if I'm not flexed I just look toned which is what most women want they just want to look toned so I think it's just you know saying well this is how I look this is what I do so if you do what I do then you're gonna get to that place too and and yeah I dare say the pieces fall into place then Kia ora friends welcome back to the vegan body coach podcast as always a pleasure to be here on the microphone with you my name is Jackson Burton. I am the host of the podcast. Obviously, um, I'm a gym owner here in Auckland, New Zealand, and an online personal trainer and nutritionist, specifically focusing on vegans and vegetarians or anyone moving towards a plant-based lifestyle. So this podcast is all about bringing evidence-based information and, and rational discussions around health and fitness for vegans and, and vegetarians. So you're in for a good episode today, guys. I am joined by... Howers Davies uh, from Barry in the UK in Wales um, and she is the partner of a previous guest on the episode here Morgan Lelandy Smith. Now Howers is herself a vegan coach um, also known as that vegan bodybuilder on Instagram and puts out a whole bunch of great information uh, specifically targeting people who want to build muscle and specifically targeting females and that's what we dive into in this episode all around what does it actually take for females to build muscle? We dive into some of the misconceptions about muscle gain, you know, what are the rates of gain that you can actually expect, and, and some of the issues around why it's such a struggle to get ladies to, to want to accept muscle gain or, or weight gain for that matter. We also dive into a little bit of discussion around the menstrual cycle and specifically for people who are weight training. How does the menstrual cycle affect your, your training in the gym? Are there some points that you want to be training harder and training lighter? Uh, what, you know, what does that practically look like when you are programming your training? So a great all-round episode for you ladies out there that want to optimize your physique and your muscle gain, but also for some of you lads out there who you know want to learn about some of the, the, the realities of what it takes to build muscle, this is a great episode for you as well. We did lose the first couple of minutes of the episode just because of some internet issues, but we're going to jump straight into this one. This is episode 25 with Howes Davies. You are listening to the Vegan Body Coach Podcast, all about optimizing your strength, fitness, and physique through a plant-focused diet. My name is Jackson Burton, and I'm a nutrition and training coach for vegans, the plant-centric, and plant-curious. I'm sitting down with athletes, experts, and influencers around the world to inspire you to create your best vegan body yet. I'd love to know a little bit more about sort of where that journey for veganism began and sort of, you know, how that whole thing sparked off for you um, at what age and sort of what started that that sort of journey for you. Yeah, sure. So I actually haven't been vegan for very long, maybe like 18 months coming up to two years in September, I think. Yeah, um, awesome. And prior to that, I wasn't, I wasn't even vegetarian. Um, I literally went straight from being a meat eater, eating dairy, eating eggs, um, straight to being vegan. Um, And before that, I I didn't really know 
what veganism was like I kind of I thought it was this like weird hippie thing that kind of outcasts do and um so I I didn't really understand how it worked but I knew that I just felt a little bit uncomfortable about eating meat um pork in particular had like a real gripe about it I was just like this just isn't right like we're we have to cook something so that it doesn't make us really unwell like we shouldn't have to cook our food to not make us unwell so um yeah then then I met Morgan, my partner, who who you know and love, um, and he was vegan, and he was the one who introduced me to veganism. And even when I first met him, I thought, this guy is crazy. I'm, I'm, not, gi- <laughs> I'm not giving up meat and dairy. Um, yeah. But it, it, within a few months, just having, I think, that exposure, having that person there kind of not, I don't want to say teaching, but giving you an insight into actually what goes on in the meat industry what goes on in dairy and egg industry um and that kind of was the turning point for me really yeah so it was, it was almost more of a just a yeah an understanding of what the realities are in mm-hmm. terms of animal production or animal food productions right yeah basically um, yeah that's amazing i think it's really interesting when you when you hear of someone you know getting into a relationship with someone and then kind of you know having no no um no desire to go that route but then over time just through like you said exposure and mm-hmm. being around that person and, and talking about these things it, it it kind of rubs off right and i think yeah. if you are an open person naturally then you're going to um you know be much more receptive to some of these these different ways of looking at life and different yeah. ways of eating and, and, and a lifestyle. So that's, that's super cool. Has it, has it been a, a massive sort of, cause that's a big thing to do, go from, you know, nothing, you know, completely omnivorous diet to completely vegan. Um, has that been a massive transition for you? How have you found that in terms of um, your lifestyle and, and how that's affected how you do life day to day? Um, I mean, it, it hasn't, it hasn't. So, um, like I said, I was just eating meat before and I had no real understanding of how to do veganism. So actually yeah. when I met Morgan, um, it wasn't long till we moved in with each other. I think maybe six months after we met COVID hit. So I moved in with him. So that kind of transition was made a lot easier by just having somebody literally with me every single day saying right this is a good thing to eat this is not a good thing to eat like this has honey in it you can't have that um so it it was it's been easier in a sense that I've had someone alongside me the whole time and also obviously given the current circumstances we've kind of had that sheltered life I guess like going out with friends for food um even going to the shops regularly to to kind of buy stuff like I don't really have that chance anymore to kind of go off track whereas I think Mm. if I was in a relationship with somebody different or if we were going out regularly to eat maybe I would have found it more difficult to kind of stick to it and kind of um, lay down the law in that sense but it's aside from kind of explaining things to other people like getting my family on board, getting them to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and that I'm not just kind of standing on my soapbox, like preaching kind of a, I don't know, like a phase or something or a fad. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's not been as difficult as I thought it would have been. I mm. think everyone always thinks that like going vegan, vegan is going to kind of change your life and you're going to become some hippie who lives in the hills. But obviously it's, it's not that, it's just, you go into the store and you pick something different up off the shelf yeah. basically so so yeah that that that's basically it that's as, as exciting as it's been for me it's, yeah. it's 
pretty yeah and that's that's as simplistic and as as basic as it needs to be is literally just like like i tell people all the time if you're like for people who have never tried like a fully plant-based meal it's like hey when you go to the restaurant choose the vegan option just one time just choose mm-hmm. it it's like that's as simple as the decision needs yeah, to be exactly um, yeah you don't have to be and i was the same i had that kind of mindset of like oh i'm gonna become like vegans are just these like hippies they're like with the tie-dye clothes and they're like you know in the park like hugging trees and smoking dope <laughs> or whatever and it was just it was just so interesting to see that it doesn't have to be that and it's literally just a lifestyle choice and exactly um and it doesn't have to be hard but i guess a really good thing because you had someone to kind of walk you through it right you had someone to kind of hold your hand and say hey look, yeah this does have honey let's not have that option mm-hmm. i think it's so important for people that are transitioning and if they're going to do it cold turkey like you did is having a support group around them and, and if they don't have people within their you know circle within their um, vicinity then potentially jumping on a facebook group or jumping on one of these like 30-day vegan challenge groups or whatever it may be just Mm -hmm. that you've got that support network there and you've got people to go to to ask questions and ask for help um but maybe for for yourself because you did have someone to kind of walk you through it what do you think um you know maybe for someone who is transitioning like what do you think of like the some of the big things that you kind of learned that were surprising to you as you transitioned in terms of like you know food choice and things like that that someone who's transitioning needs to pay a bit more attention to Mm, um i think the biggest thing and and the thing that still gets me now is things that you don't expect to have animal products in so the the big one over here is like crisps or i guess you guys would call it chips i I don't know whether you're chips or crisps Um, (laughs) but um yeah chips they they have milk powder in them and you're like why why is barbecue flavor got milk in it like what's that about (laughs) so that that's the biggest one is you do have to read the fine print and even Mm. like 18 months later i still will pick something up and be like, how could this not be vegan? I'll take it home and I'll look at the back and be like, milk, what? Yeah. How, how have I missed that? Yeah. How have I missed that? Yeah. This, this is like a, a vegetarian, like curry in a, the vegetarian aisle. So why is right. it got milk in it? But um, I suppose that's the biggest one is the stuff that you don't expect. But um, I I don't know. What, what else would you need to look out for? I, I suppose you could go down the route of, making sure that you are getting everything that you need still in Mm -hmm. your vegan diet you know going Mm -hmm. down the supplement route b12 and whatnot so doing your research beforehand is a really big part and again it's not something that i had to do a lot of because i had somebody there to Mm. essentially do it for me who who already knew this stuff so basically just said take this supplement that supplement but do your research um and have that reminder of why you're doing what you're doing. I think I tried vegetarianism before, just kind of of like, oh, this sounds like fun. And yeah. obviously it didn't last very long. And I didn't have the support around me. Like my parents were like, you're crazy. Why would you do this? Um, my partner before Morgan, he was an avid meat eater. So whenever I said, oh, I want to try the vegetarian option, he'd be like, what, what are you doing that? Let's just have steak. Um, yeah. So I think remembering why you're doing it, especially if you don't have that support network, is a really, really big part of it because it's your decision. It, it's got it's got to take willpower, and it's going to take willpower from you. So you need to have a good reasoning behind it, or that willpower is, is just going to crumble. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the kind of like top three. Uh, I would 
Yeah, cool. No, that's great. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, did you have any like major concerns like before you transitioned over? Like, I guess there was there a certain date where you were like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to do this veganism thing. And then you went cold turkey. Was there any like concerns before you decided to make that decision? Um, I think the, I mean, the classic one was how am I going to build muscle on plant-based diet, which is what everybody, everybody's concerned about before they go right. vegan, especially if, um, fitness is a big part of your life, which at the time it was for me, really big part, wanted to build muscle. I just started a diet actually, um, kind of a really extended, um, dieting phase. So it's kind of like, how am I going to stay full? How am I going to get enough protein? How am I going to get all of these things through a plant-based diet? And again, uh, you know, I'm just going to throw out there. Morgan um, was on hand to help. Um, yeah, cool. But he, well, people don't realize that actually all of this stuff is maybe even easier on a plant-based diet. Like you, maybe not so much the protein, but definitely staying full, definitely feeling satiated, definitely mm. um, kind of feeling better whilst you're dieting. I know that I felt better than on diets I'd done in the past, kind of my energy levels, um, how I felt kind of digestive wise. So all of those fears that I had, all of those concerns were very quickly gone, literally within a few weeks. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's cool. So I guess with your, you're already into into training at that time and and Mm -hmm. focused on bodybuilding at that time. Where did that whole journey begin for you? I mean, you're only 24 now, so where did you start in the sort of the fitness area and and how did that sort of develop over time? Wow, Uh, this is like a way back when question. Um, I started, yeah, let's go go all the way back. Um, So I started training when I was probably about 18 and, you know, I I use the term training very loose. Um, Yeah. I was exercising because I wanted to lose weight, didn't really know what I was doing, kind of, um, you know, group classes, um, an hour on the treadmill, that that kind of thing. Um, and it, it, I was kind of doing that on and off for a couple of years and the weight was coming off and, and then I kind of got to a point where that all stopped and I just focused on kind of the food aspects so worrying about my nutrition and making sure I was eating um, actually what turned out to be as little as possible after a right. while um, so I ended up when I was about 20 um, I ended up developing an eating disorder just kind of um, from that I think relationship that I had with food and relationship that I had with myself and my body image um, and weight training then became a way out of that disorder, um, kind of accepting the growth in my body, getting bigger, putting on muscle and knowing that what I was doing in the gym was actually contributing to my body and, and not kind of tearing it down anymore, which is what I'd been doing for um, most of my teenage years really was was kind of tearing myself down so um, yeah I think the the that kind of took me then up to about 22 um, that kind of like going in the gym kind of moving heavy weights you know all of that kind of lift heavy and eat loads that kind of thing and then again I, um, I met Morgan and that's when things kind of became a bit more streamlined um, started focusing more on actually bodybuilding um, training with a little bit more structure and just kind of gaining that knowledge base that I needed to kind of really push kind of my physique to the I don't I don't want to say the next level that's really cliche but but going, <laughs> going from somebody who just went to the gym now and again to somebody who would actually then in future compete yeah 
Yeah, I kind of love that idea of yeah the 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 switch in mindset from um, just basically yeah trying to eat as little as possible and mm-hmm. provide your body with and like you said you're just tearing your body down all that process when you're you know eating mm-hmm. disorder and you're just giving yourself nothing mm-hmm. to actually um, contributing to your body and I love yeah. that because it's like you're it's a complete shift it's a complete mindset shift is how can I actually um, build up my body and I guess that that doesn't just happen by accident right so where did you where was that kind of transition from I'm just going to eat as little as possible and try to get as small as possible to finding maybe finding strength training and weight training and that transition into contributing to your body like how did that whole process go did you have help with that was that because um you know you had you know someone in your life that was already doing like bodybuilding and they encourage you um so how did that whole process go for you i mean i i think anybody who's been through an eating disorder knows how isolating it is when you're in that time all you can think about is food sleep and exercise and everything else just becomes a blur you you stop talking to your friends um I don't want to say your family hates you but you're pushing them away and you're doing things that they don't understand and that causes a lot of friction that causes a lot of arguments so um I think I'd kind of reached that point where I was so exhausted and so fed up with myself um it wasn't even that other people around me were kind of pushing me to get better or saying you know we've had enough it's now or never it was I was just fed up of myself I was fed up Mm. of feeling the way that I felt um and so you know not not to paint it like a sad story but it it was something that I did myself I didn't have any kind of counseling I, I didn't even really open up to my family about what I was doing I think I had maybe one or two friends who knew what was going on but they didn't really understand it so that turning point was just me saying right I've had enough I can't live like this anymore I'm 21 and I hate myself and that's not right mm-hmm. That, that, mm. that needs to change. I've got lots of years ahead of me and I'm not going to waste them hating myself. So yeah, wow. um, I just, yeah, kind of pulled myself out of it as as much as you can. Um, started eating more, build, just kind of building up over time and, and it, it gets easier. You know, the first mm. few weeks and months is that kind of almost like a, den- a denial phase. You know, you say, oh, yeah, I'm committing to getting better. And you, you kind of dip your toe in and you, you know that really that eating sort of still got a hold of you. But you're dipping mm. your toe in nevertheless. And the better you start to feel in yourself, the more confident you feel, the more energy you have from that food, the clearer your mindset becomes to be able to deal with the stuff that you're dealing with. So um, I think it was maybe six months in the making before I really felt like I'd gotten out of 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 that hole and that that was I'd like to say I had um lots of people around me who were like yeah go to the gym build muscle but it it was just kind of if anything it was more like the Instagram community so seeing people on Instagram being like right okay well I want to look like this person this person Mm. looks great this person looks strong this person doesn't look like they cry into a bowl of cereal every night so (laughs) (laughs) so let's let's go for that and and that was yeah, that was how how that developed that that turning point for sure. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Is kind of the Instagram community does it, that is a, a real positive of that community in the sense that there's you know if you look at the the physiques that people I guess desire to have or want to aspire to attain, 
and then look at what those people are doing, mm-hmm. um, generally, if, if they're honest about it, it's going to be heavy lifting and progressive overload and all those kind of basics and fueling their body. Um, I think there is a lot of people on Instagram that are posting the stuff that they're not really that, that didn't really get them the physique they have, right? They mm-hmm. they're posting all these like crazy little swipe hit workouts and <laughs> all these like crazy routines with these like wild and wacky exercises because everything's just about variety and trying to mm-hmm. do something new and and fancy and flash. Mm-hmm. But um, in reality, that's not what built the physique they have. What built the physique they have is those yeah. basics done repeatedly over many, many months and years. Um, so I think, I guess for yourself, um, where did the, I mean, I, we know that your body transitioned massively, right? There was this, this mm-hmm. change of physique. How, how, did, how long did that take to develop? And what do you think was the kind of underlying um, theme or training program or way of doing things that kind of developed into the physique you now have um because that yeah again that doesn't happen by accident there's obviously a lot of thought and process that goes into that and time so was there anything specific you did that you think led to the physique you now have that has really benefited that or is it was just hey doing the the, doing the basics over time or was it hey you met morgan and 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 he helped you along that journey as well or how that whole process go for you into developing the, the current physique you have I mean, I'll start from the um, position of I met Morgan and everything started to fall into place. But Everything um, changed. Yeah, everything changed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a running theme here. I, I yeah, met yeah, him yeah. and things changed. Um, I promise I have my own life. He's, he's not <laughs> the influence of everything. Yes. Um, but no, I think the biggest kind of like turning point in terms of meeting somebody who understood training, which is kind of the biggest thing here, is before that I'd had nobody in my life who could actually sit down and explain those basics to me. Like I knew these buzzwords like progressive overload um heavy lifting kind of like these words that get thrown around but I didn't actually know what they meant um Mm. I thought progressive overload was just put more weight on the bar every week and like Mm. that works that works for like a few weeks and then when you get to like 130 kilos on your deadlift and you're like this isn't going up very well like this there's got to be another way of doing this so um I think going from having somebody who could then explain what those basics meant um then having the actual structure in place so structure was something that my training was really really lacking um before I met him it was kind of going into the gym and just like you said really doing those swipe workouts doing a little bit of whatever it was that I fancied and again it doesn't take very long for those initial like that little burst that you get where you're like oh I'm seeing progress that kind of teeters out very quickly so having that structure um was was just huge um planning my training um having actual training blocks and then followed by deloads i'd never deloaded before yeah um i already understood kind of like um energy balance so that 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 wasn't necessarily a big game changer um but then I think I had kind of like a first or like a second wave of gains after meeting him. Um, it was quite difficult to tell because I was dieting. So most of what was happening was just body fat coming off. Right. Um, but then once I'd finished dieting, I actually had kind of had like a little bit of decent shape. I reckon there was a little bit of recomp um, going on there. Um, and then I think if we take it then to September last year, um, which is when Morgan started working with N1 training. I don't know if you've heard of N1. Um, and their kind of knowledge base 
was so much bigger than what either of us had encountered before um, in terms of kind of periodizing training, using different training stimuluses or stimuli, um, yeah. kind of get the best out of your training and train in more ways than just kind of hypertrophy, which is what I'd focused on previously, was just always kind of that um you know mid-range reps uh, progressive overload in different forms but generally just muscle building and now we do kind of metabolic work neurological work hypertrophy work kind of layered on top of each other and that has been the the really biggest like i i've looked at my physique change from september last year to where are we now in march and the even the change in those six months i've been like i i don't believe this is me wow Um, it's kind of surpassed what i would have hoped that i would have ever kind of gotten to so i think the the biggest thing is just being gaining more and more more and more knowledge and obviously applying it and then just seeing what the outcome is because I think you you can get very very far with just progressive overload and energy balance in whichever way you want to balance it um but I think if you really want to get to the kind of those higher levels you need to be prepared to look at the details so look Mm -hmm. at you know the really small minutiae that a lot of people say when you first start out you don't need to worry about them and that's true you know there's no point worrying about like supplements for your sleep if you're on your phone till 2am like the supplements are not going to cancel that out you've really got to take care of the basics but I think once you have got that solid structure down you have got that base down and you can kind of grow into then those other aspects those aspects that are really going to fine-tune your physique and your results totally Mm-hmm. A common a common theme with with a lot of ladies that I speak to is you know this this fear of of huge amounts of muscle gain, mm-hmm. and so for you I think it's more the opposite you're trying to gain a lot of muscle mass because you know you're in vegan bodybuilding or you're in bodybuilding per se which is you know all about bigger size and and more I guess definition and, and shape and symmetry and things like this. But what you know? What do you think is the underlying reason that so many ladies fear muscle gain initially when they when they step into the gym? I think, uh, that, I mean, this this I guess relates to where I started. I think we're told that as women we should want to be small, and small is the goal. Smaller the better. Like if you're over five foot four, well, like you might as well discount yourself. No, you want to be small. You want to be petite. Um, you want to be cute. That's that's another big one is being cute, being polite. You know, all of that kind of stuff. And I think moving away from that, even if you feel in in yourself in your heart that that's not what you want to do having the bravery to actually move away from that is 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 really big it's really scary because we grow up believing that other people or or male men's opinions of ourselves are are more important than our own so Mm. you see lots of men who are like oh you look like a man like I I don't know how many times I said that I don't look like a man like what what are you talking about but for a lot of women I think that that is such a fear being being you know called out as ugly being called out as masculine being called out as as undesirable or unattractive Mm. that actually taking the steps to build muscle taking the steps to get stronger is is terrifying and it's like why why would I do that to myself when I could just spend some time on the treadmill and and worry about fitting into a size four like yeah um, that's right so yeah I think I think that's definitely the biggest 
obstacle that women face is actually moving mm. away from other people's opinions and, and what you're taught kind of from a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking about this with a friend recently and I think so much of it comes back to, uh, you know, a male, uh, what is, what has predominantly been a male dominant world throughout mm-hmm. human history. Um, and these ideals around what is, what is desirable and I think a lot of the time when you get a male who says, oh, you look like a man or don't get too big or whatever, it's all coming back to just their own insecurities about their own self and their own masculinity. Because mm-hmm. if they see some other lady who's got more muscle than them or looks stronger than them, then that's uh, degrading their own place in society as this like typical and traditional strong male, you know, tribal warrior type kind of view of what a man is supposed to be so i think as we progress throughout you know humanity as a whole and as we you develop our different uh you know beliefs and moralities and 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 change those over time and evolve um i'm enjoying seeing the progression of like the feminist movement and Mm -hmm. all, all these types of things that are coming into play to shift the viewpoint of what it means to be a female and that if you look like a man is that a bad thing like why is there a bad like should that be cl- like class is a bad thing right mm-hmm. so um and i just know there's so many benefits for ladies when they when they start to build muscle right and they're empowered yeah. by the weight training and it's a common theme over many of the podcasts i've done with with the other um females that i've had on on the podcast is that they start weight training and everything changes for them right they feel yeah. empowered they they find this new self-worth this identity um, and it's all a positive progression, but I guess how would you, as, as a coach now yourself, help other ladies to kind of overcome that fear of muscle gain? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's a good question, actually. Um, so, I mean, I suppose the honest truth is that most of the women, uh, let's say 80% of the women, by the time they come to me, by the time they've reached out to me, they've already decided themselves that, that's what they want to do you know they they don't come on board and then they're kind of surprised like oh I'm actually going to be building muscle and getting (laughs) strong like they they know what they're getting into um but there are a few women that I've worked with who have been hesitant to start weight training and and again it's come down to not understanding the benefits not understanding how empowering empowering is the word that i always forget i'm glad that you said it because i always forget to say it but um not understanding how empowering is not understanding how much is going to benefit their health as well um most of my clients kind of come to me or these these women in particular i'm talking about now they come to me wanting to lose fat and obviously one of the best ways to lose fat is to start weight training and one of the best ways to kind of regain your shape or change your body shape is to start weight training um so i think it comes down to i mean there there is an element of convincing i suppose but it's kind of well you've said to me how you want to look and it's in essence that's how i look right now like you're saying to me i want to look like you and i'm saying to you well this is how we do it is by building Mm. muscle you know i'm not huge by Mm. any stretch of the imagination like i said you know i don't look masculine in my physique and if i'm not flexed i just look toned which is what most women want they just want to look toned so i think it's just you know saying well this is how i look this is what i do so if you do what i do then you're gonna get to that place too and and yeah i dare say the pieces fall into place then 
So yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's great. I love that. I love that point about you know when you're not flexed. I think so much of what we see of of physiques is flexed physiques, right? So mm-hmm. we start to think that that's the norm and what people walk around like. But you see like a, a super jacked person flexed, and then you see them walking around. <laughs> it's it's like have you like lost muscle or like what's going on there? But it's it's literally just the the massive change in in how someone looks when they just are naturally just walking around doing doing normal life and i think that's yeah like you said that's the physique most people are striving for is kind of that just toned mm-hmm. athletic physique which actually means hey look we need to really get in the gym and crush it because yeah. you know uh if you want to look like that then we need to you're know, really putting some some effort Definitely. um i think I, people I, underestimate how much work you have to put in just to mm-hmm. look kind of what most people consider like average in terms of fitness like you you look at the top liars like the top top dogs and that's like your whole life is going to be training like but what you're aspiring to be that kind of like fit tonedness you still have to put a lot of work in like there's still going to be lots of hours there's still going to be lots of sacrifices and commitment so yeah it's well mm. i think that brings up an interesting point that because a lot of what we do see is those you know top outliers right the ones that mm-hmm. are got the huge followings we see them because they are outliers and i've discussed this before um so it means that a lot of the time the perception of what people do want to achieve is actually far unattainable for them in terms of their genetic potential right so mm-hmm. it's kind of like okay so we're seeing all these incredible physiques let's you know try and you know, bring things back rain a little bit and set yourself some realistic <laughs> expectations for yourself but that also means you know you're probably going to have to train harder than like you said you probably have to train harder than you think you're gonna have to train to get there um, and mm-hmm. put in a lot of effort um, but I guess because the standard is so high now they feel like they don't have to put in as much effort to to get that physique um, just because that's what you're seeing all the time right it's just in yeah. your face all the time so mm-hmm. um, you know I guess one of the, the downsides of, of social media you know if we were back in say the 50s or something like that or even the 80s and all you saw was the people around you right and so mm-hmm. if if you were you know somewhat developed and you've been in the gym then you're going to be like the most jacked person in your community right yeah but now sure. that most jacked person in the community is going to be um at like a very average level in terms of the overall world that we can now have access to via social media. So it's a really mm-hmm. interesting an interesting discussion when you chat with potential clients about their expectations, about they want to achieve. Um, yeah. Which, which kind of brings me on to asking you this question of, you know, and recently you posted about this on your Instagram about the realistic um, possible gain for, for, for muscle mass for a female mm-hmm. um, and kind of understanding what is actually possible. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that's going to come down to, I guess, genetic potential again. But, um, you know, do you want to run through just some of the, the basics of what ladies can actually expect to gain in terms of muscle mass? Mm, I mean, I feel like I should pull up my post now off the, off the yeah. top of my head. Oh, the numbers, um, are, yeah, the numbers are tricky. Yeah, I mean, I mean like... If I, I pull this off, but I, w- I won't read off it, I promise. Um, but let's pull that up. So, I mean, I think the biggest kind of takeaway for me from this, I've got it in front of me now. The biggest kind of takeaway was you can expect to gain X amount of muscle, providing that everything that you're doing is optimal. And I think that's where a lot of people misread this type of information like you put this type of information out here and it says you know for a 100 pound woman generally um they're looking to gain about half a pound to 0.7 pound of muscle in 
a week, is it? I can't even remember my own numbers. Crikey. Yeah. Um, it, it might be it, it might be monthly based. <laughs> it might be monthly, but anyway, um, you know, it's it's not a huge amount of muscle realistically. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're looking at maybe eleven pounds in your first year of gaining, yeah. and gotcha. that's eleven pounds, providing that everything that you've done is really at the top level. Like you know, you've hit all your macros most of the time. Your sleep is perfect. Your training's perfect. You're periodizing your training. You're managing your fatigue properly. You don't have any injuries. You don't have any illness you know this this is really like everything has to be in line so I think you kind of have to put a buffer in for that is there's going to be several months where what you're actually doing is just laying the foundations you're learning how to train properly so you're learning how to actually recruit your muscle fibers in an efficient manner you're learning how to perform movements you're learning movement patterns and a lot of that is kind of happening in your brain um and it's kind of out of your control you know it's like when you're learning a language you don't pick it up instantly it takes you several months of learning and going back to the same thing over and over again before those things start to stick and it's once those things start to stick that you can go from saying like I live in Wales to forming a like a fully fledged sentence and being able to then go on to write a novel so I guess I guess your 11 pounds of muscle is you being able to write your first article um but before that you are literally just laying the foundation so um yeah I think I think kind of tying into what you said, actually, with setting realistic expectations is, yeah, you can accept, expect to gain a fair amount of muscle as a woman. You know, you're not necessarily at a disadvantage mm-hmm. because you are female. I think it's proportionally men and women gain the same amount of muscle, you know, but men are just bigger to start off with. So they That's gain right. more and it's more visual. They, you can see it more. But, um, yeah, you're always going to need that buffer period, like, to actually set yourself up for that future gain potentiate the future gain i guess Mm. yeah totally there's always like this massive learning curve and Mm -hmm. uh, quite often during that period there's not there's not a whole heap going on like you know you're really like yeah you learn the basics of movement patterns and Mm -hmm. learn how to load a barbell and all these kind of really basic stuff (laughs) that becomes second nature but then you know once you've kind of got all those foundations in place like you said you can start to move into like the real kind of golden zone of of Mm. of muscle building and that's when like you said if everything is you got all your ducks in a row and you line them up and everything's ticked off you're gonna be able to gain a significant amount of muscle mass Mm -hmm. and like you mentioned with females it just the other thing is it just doesn't show up as much right there's there's probably a significant muscle gain but because generally the height there's a higher fat percentage on a female in in Mm -hmm. general so the amount of muscle that is built it doesn't always show through as much as Mm -hmm. say on a leaner male physique so that can quite often play with people's minds i think as well and and they feel like they may not be gained as much as they actually are um but you know, there's yeah, there's the data there, and like you've done on that post, and you know, people can go check that out and work out their numbers of what's yeah, theoretically definitely. possible um, as a bit of a guide for them. Um, but then also knowing that that is, you know, it does diminish over time as well, right? You know, the mm-hmm. longer that you go yeah. into training, the, yeah. the the less muscle mass is is actually possible. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, for yourself, how long have you been training now? I'd say training well for probably about eighteen months. So I'm yeah. still. I'm still pretty early. Like I, I feel, I don't want to say I feel glad that I had that buffer of like training, like absolute bunk for a year, but <laughs> um, it's kind of now I'm ready for it. 
I, I've, I, I had that time so I can yeah. actually get into the good stuff and I've still got a few years ahead of me but I think according to that post you know after kind of five years that's when things really start to slow down but they don't stop you know yeah, it's, that's right. it's still worth and I think um, one thing that I've noticed actually amongst bodybuilders and especially kind of um, older bodybuilders so more mature bodybuilders people who have been training for 20-30 years is you could probably weigh the same but there's kind of this maturity within the muscle that you maybe don't see in younger athletes so they, I don't say it's like a, a wateriness it's, that's mm. definitely not mm. the right word but they, you look at somebody who's been training for 50 years and you look at the way that their body is mapped out and yeah. there's just something about it that you don't see in young athletes which makes me think well it's definitely worth it it's definitely worth training for 50 years even if by the time you know, by the time I'm thirty, which is in five years' time, you know things are going to slow down, but they're still going to keep getting better in in some measure. So yeah, totally, totally, mm-hmm. yeah. I think you go through phases, right? And you know, for my initial years of training, it was it was you know relatively average training, you know, reading muscle magazines and following those mm-hmm. programs and and doing all that kind of thing, and probably dieting too much. And then now, like as a as a thirty one year old with a lot more knowledge behind me, I can go through. Um, phases of training now where I actually really progress well and I'm like wow how Mm -hmm. like I'm like I've been training for you know 10 years at this stage but at 31 I can get a whole bunch of progression just because of yeah understanding the the foundations a little better and understanding some of the maybe more the nuances of periodization and and structuring training phases um, with specific priorities um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely like things slow down, but they don't stop. And there's, and there's many, and there's more ways than one to, to progress. That's for sure. Um, yeah. in, in all different aspects. Um, I guess I'd like to ask you if there's specific ways that you program for clients. And I'm assuming you work with, um, a lot of female clients, um, probably mm-hmm. not exclusively, but just probably who you attract. Um, is there specific like nuances that you, apply to specific female athletes in terms of like programming um training around menstrual cycle food choice around menstrual cycle um just because obviously that is not a a factor that has to come into a male training program is that something you actually decide to shift around based on the different cycles um i mean to be honest i kind of take it case by case like i have like you said most of my client base is women i have a few men um a couple of them are kind of my age you know roughly about 30 and then i have um i work with one gentleman who's i think in his 60s so there's quite a broad range of people that i'm working with people who are women and men who are in their 30s 50s 60s so um it is very much case by case i have some clients who don't even menstruate at the moment but still kind of experience those hormonal fluctuations and so around that time they know that they're getting cravings they know that they're feeling you know a little bit off a little bit grouchy Um, and then I have some people who don't have any of those experiences at all and I'm one of those people like aside from maybe getting a little bit grumpier around that time um it's not something that affects me it's not something that I need to change so um I'm definitely sensitive to what these women need you know within their own training programs if somebody says to me look I had a really bad day you know I overate by x amount of calories but we know why because we're tracking you know when their period is due when they're having their period um I've never gotten to a position where we've had to 
adjust their training based on their menstrual cycle. Um, you know, I'm quite a big fan of autoregulation in that if you are really feeling that bad, I think my, I make it quite clear that I don't expect you to train through something that is very, very uncomfortable and not uncomfortable mm. in kind of like the training is hard and comfortable. But yeah. if you are feeling that bad, then I'm not going to expect you to show up and try and give energy to something that you don't have energy for. And I think it, it's important to recognize while most of my clients are lifestyle clients, you know, they're not aspiring bodybuilders. I think I've maybe one or two who want to compete. And so having those off days or those off weeks, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. And, and it's, healthier for me as a coach and healthier for our relationship for me to just let it go and say look okay this was a bad day a bad session and we move on and it's it's my job to encourage them to move on and not blame themselves for something that is out of their control you know we're not mm. prepping for a show if you overate on your calories that's fine you know it's, it's one week it's one day that's whatever right. it is so um in, in a very long-winded <laughs> answer to your question, um, there's not anything that I've had to encounter where I've really had to change my methodology for. I know that lots of people do believe in it, you know, you know, periodizing, uh, well, periodizing, structuring your trading so that you have perhaps lower volumes around that time of the month, Um maybe having a few more calories if you feel that energy is low or if you're feeling cravings, you know, rather than kind of resisting it, just saying, okay, we'll have a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it, it's not, so far, it's not something that I've necessarily had to adjust for. Yeah, I agree. I think um, maybe for like specific athletes, you know, who, you know, were potentially trying to, do one RMs or something like that or, or specific performance mm -hmm. athletes where you could potentially like structure their training so that you know and get really nitty gritty with the structure so that you are peaking for your competition or whatever in the I believe it's the follicular phase where mm -hmm. um, you are you know potentially going to be performing at a higher level and not having these other issues come into play um, but I think at the same time, like I personally don't structure anything like that into clients' programs because I don't want them to, you know, have that whole mindset of going in yeah. thinking I'm going to be weaker today Definitely. or I'm going to overeat today because it's this time of the month. It's this two-week cycle um, and then that sabotaging their own progress. Whereas if I didn't program any of that and they didn't even think about it and then went in yeah. and trained as normal – and and it's it's like you said it's individual dependence. Some people experience no symptoms, no differences. Other people have on the other end of the spectrum where they you know can't get out of bed or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. So um, I think if you're preemptively programming it into into programs, you you may be selling your client short. But um, at the same time, being open to auto regulation, like you said, so that you can adjust for these things on the fly if someone is you know experiencing a massive. A massive shift in, in whatever their symptoms may be. Yeah, definitely. I, I like what you said there about having that kind of bias, you know, even if it is unconscious, if you're setting somebody up by saying, okay, well, we're going to take things easy this week because this is happening. Well, that's a whole week of their training that they're taking easier than they needed to potentially. 
and a week of their training that perhaps they could have given a lot more to and you know one week out of four I mean I know that I said that it's not the end of the world especially if you're a lifestyle client but if you are aspiring to kind of be at those higher levels well one week out of four that's a quarter of the year 25% of the year that you're taking easy when you potentially didn't need to so Mm. yeah I, I would agree with you there yeah cool i'd like to quickly cover your um, approach to training for physique outcomes for yourself Mm -hmm. so as a female athlete you're um you're wanting to compete on stage you're wanting to um compete you know uh, competitively i'm assuming right so we want to do well so Mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that you structure your own training in in terms of like exercise selection and things like that that Mm -hmm. potentially a lifestyle client might not have to to worry about is there any sort of specific exercises you focus on or areas you focus on um on a programming basis Mm -hmm. um i think the the biggest thing for me um as a competitor versus maybe a lifestyle client is um i if if one of my clients says to me i don't particularly like this movement or perhaps you know there may be someone who's a bit older has uh, you know issues in their knees or issues in their shoulder or whatever then they are well within their right to turn around and say well actually i just don't want to train this body part it's uncomfortable or i don't want to train with this movement because i don't enjoy it whereas for me it's just like this is what i've got to do to get to where i want to be like okay i don't particularly enjoy doing squats but you know, I want to develop my quads. I really don't enjoy Bulgarian split squats, but they're a great way to develop my quads. So uh, it's just a case of getting it done. So I think there is maybe a luxury in um, being somebody who's who's just doing it for fun that you you can kind of maybe not totally cut out, but definitely reduce the areas of training that you're perhaps not a big fan of. Um, Another thing that I've noticed again with kind of periodizing, I've, I've tried with some lifestyle clients to kind of go into some neurological work and they look at their program, they're like, can we just do what we did before? Like, yeah. I don't I don't want to spend the time learning how, how to do this. I don't want to spend the time learning how to do like sets of six and do using different tempos and, and stuff like that. I, I just want to stick to what I know. Whereas again, for me, it's a case of, well, I know that I want to be my best. So therefore I'm going to take the time to learn how to do this. And I'm going to take the time to make sure that I'm dedicating the mental energy that this requires to my training a lot of people just want to turn up and get it done and and go on with the day whereas for me it's like this is the first part of my day i get up i train and then the rest of the day can just get fucked basically (laughs) (laughs) i love that so um i think that's that's probably the two main things is uh, i mean exercise selection i I think I've kind of covered that. I wouldn't say that there's necessarily any exercises that I select for myself that I wouldn't select for my clients. If anything, I almost kind of test run things on myself before I give them to clients and be like, right, okay, well, this feels like a good movement that most people would be able to manage um, or would feel comfortable doing. And we go from that. And I think there's, there's a beauty as well in being coach and being somebody who's interested in progressing their own learning and learning about new movements, learning how to kind of tweak things based on um, kind of biasing certain muscles or biasing short and lengthened positions, whatever, that you then 
as unbeknownst to your client you put that into their training program so they don't even know that what they're doing right now is actually really cool but you know that you've done that for them and that they're going to get a really good result from it like they they, they're completely unaware that putting a hammer curl in with maybe like an incline curl is like a really cool thing to do because you're doing short and length and they're just like oh yeah hammer curl and incline curl cool (laughs) so um yeah I think I, I think I like being my own guinea pig and then passing that onto other people whether they want to know more about it or whether they're just happy to have the training program in their pocket is completely down to them yeah i don't think there's the difference between when you're working with a one-on-one coach like yourself or like with Mm me you the the programming is it's intentionally written right there's not like Mm -hmm. the exercises aren't just thrown together for for no reason (laughs) like they're in that order they're in that sequence they're in that rep range those are all like someone has thought about that intricately because that's mm-hmm. the most appropriate either for the person or for their goal um, as opposed to like if someone just grabs an online program like any program yeah. or a program from a magazine or an Instagram post, whatever, it's often not programmed with that in mind. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like that. It's like, yeah, that is that exercise, the hammer curl is there and the incline curl is there for a specific reason because I've thought about that. And if you want to ask me that and, and know the reason, then I've got an answer for you. And that's probably you know, is a decent sign of a really good coach is if the client can ask them why something is put in the program like that and they can give them a specific good reason as to why it's optimal. Um, and yeah, so I really like that. That's cool. Um, I, wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask like, with your current training, how does it, how does the week look like for you? I know you're, are you training at home right now? Cause yeah. COVID and things like that. So how does a week look like for you at the moment? Um, my week, I mean, I'll start with training at home because yeah. training at home where I remember when gyms first shut, um, I, I cried, like I cried a lot, like real tears <laughs> was just like streaming on my face, yeah. I was sobbing. How am I going to live without the gym? Um, wow. and I was, I was lucky in that I had some stuff already. I had like a couple of dumbbells, a little bit of, um, a few plates and whatnot and, um, kind of made it my mission within those first few weeks to accrue as much um equipment as possible and um initially it was really difficult because everybody was doing exactly the same thing kind of stockpiling so I think I paid like three four times the amount that I should have for like a weight training bench um whatever I don't regret it um and um as the kind of that summer period I mean I guess for you guys would it have been winter I, I don't know yeah. like in like June or in July mm-hmm. that's that's like winter that's so crazy um, <laughs> so, <wild. laughs> so um during that period it was kind of it, it um, I don't want to say it was difficult because it wasn't I was very appreciative of what I had um but there were definitely kind of elements missing within that you know there there was I was very limited in what I could do for kind of training like my quads like it was like I can do a Bulgarian split squat I can do a front foot elevate split squat or I can do a set of 30 front squats so that that's kind of as far as I, I can go with that but um we moved house not so long ago and I managed to acquire a Smith machine. Awesome. Um, which, yeah, I've now got set up in my garage. I managed to get hold of a multi-gym as well. So that's kind of got some cables. So um, training at home the past few months has been excellent and I have no intentions of actually going back to the gym um I think the time the stress um I used to get very bad gym anxiety not in the sense of like I was worried people were watching me in the sense of like I'd get there and there'd be people using the stuff that I wanted to use and so I was just felt like I was in a rush and couldn't really enjoy the session wow um 
but actually training at home now obviously I don't have that problem I get up which is me going now going into what my week work looks like um I wake up in the morning probably about 6 30 a.m um I go out to my garage I train um come back in have a shower whatever um I start my full-time job um which is in communications so I work two jobs um that's kind of like my nine to five um after that then I'll probably do some coaching work so like some programming if there's emails I need to catch up on or like form checks or whatever um and that's kind of Monday to Friday we've obviously now got the dog as well to look after so you know walks in between that um we're lucky enough to live by the beach so my lunchtime is normally quite a nice long walk by the beach um and then my weekends then are just dedicated to coaching so check-ins um catching up on all all of the stuff that I've kind of maybe not had time to do during the week um and yeah, and I sleep quite a lot as well. So, yeah. you know, I'm always in bed by 9, 9 p.m. So 6 yeah, a.m. Nice. starts are not too yeah. bad. Um, yeah, no, you have to you mm-hmm. have to get that sleep in, especially for your particular goals. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, you know, kind of schedule, it's a, it's a lot going on for you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm always ready for bed. Like, there's never a time where I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. It's like, yeah, get me there <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah. yeah, no, I think it's really interesting with the whole the whole gym situation because it does. I think for a lot of people like yourself and and myself, it's it's initially is a bit of a learning curve of training at home. Um, mm-hmm. Once you kind of figure out some alternative exercises, gather a little bit of equipment, um, it, you just get back into a routine and you have these really specific goals that you're trying to attain. So you just do the work and and you start to really enjoy that process. And and yeah. like you said, there's no there's no sort of um, there's nothing hampering you from getting a really good session in at home because you you know you're not in this kind of public atmosphere. But then I think for a lot of other people and a lot of our gym members, um, it's kind of the opposite where the gym is kind of their social ground and they go there mm-hmm. and they feel like this is their little space where they get away from family or get away from work. Um, and you know it's not such a hassle if yeah they have to change an exercise or move mm-hmm. to you know do do the session in a slightly different way because of the gym is busy or whatever because they just have it to be there um mm-hmm. so training at home then is the complete opposite it's like oh there's yeah. a whole you change the whole relationship to to your training there's no longer the social aspect you might be having to work out in front of your family which is just awkward um there's you know the you know it's just this whole change of mindset from like this is my home where I relax to now I'm going to mm-hmm. have to try and get hyped up to do you know squats in my lounge which yeah, like definitely. for a lot of people just doesn't <laughs> is it never going to happen right so no no but that's sure. so interesting that, to hear that you actually um you're keen to you know progress back into oh, sorry to continue on training at yeah. home as opposed to going back to a public facility yeah definitely I mean and like you said like I I have so many clients who have really suffered throughout this and we've over here we've kind of had this like hokey pokey situation where like for a few months the gyms have opened and then they've closed again and then they've reopened so they've I, I've got one client in mind in particular where she's unfortunately not really been able to complete a full training cycle in the gym since we mm. started working together there's always been this kind of like cut off where yeah. something's you know they, they've kind of um shut so I I definitely think there's a lot of people who struggle because like you said they don't have that social aspect they don't have that time that space themselves especially if you're living somewhere where there isn't much space you know lots of people live in flats one bedroom apartments whatnot I'm I I know how lucky I am I know that I'm so lucky to have a garage like lots of people don't have that so I think it will do everybody some good 
over here to actually have the gyms reopen again um, yeah 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 definitely for sure no doubt is that on the cards shortly or um i think well uh, the uk is is four different countries i don't know whether you know this we've got england wales scotland and ireland or northern ireland um england is set for april um wales we don't have a date yet and i'm not sure about scotland and northern ireland but um most most of my clients are in england so they're you know they're gearing up for april so yeah yeah fingers crossed things things look like they go in that way yeah oh that's really exciting um and so i guess last question on the training aspect is how does a you know a general week go in terms of you structuring your your split like is that do you have a specific split you stick to um training different body parts different days or you know how is that how are you working around that at the moment so i mean it it completely depends on what uh, type of training I'm doing so I've just come out of a hypertrophy block and when I was doing that hypertrophy block it was pretty um, standard in that I was doing a four-day split um, two days on one day off and that four-day split was sp- split into chest and triceps quads and calves and abs um, back and biceps and then hamstrings and glutes um but now i've just gone into a metabolic phase so doing some ampk incomplete rest um and the nature of kind of setting that up is it is just two days of half body so there's no real structure to it i'm just aiming to hit different body parts that are not really connected to each other so that each part is getting kind of like it's deserved rest so um i would say my kind of preference if if I had to pick like what would I give for somebody else in like an ideal scenario would be that four-day training split um doing check as I've just said and mm. doing those two days on one day off and and yeah that would that would always be my approach for somebody who was just starting out is hit everything that you need to hit in the time that you need to hit it and allow yourself enough rest in between that nice yeah that's really mm-hmm. cool so I just want to finish up with um, a couple of final questions and just see mm-hmm. what you're up to for the remainder of 2021. What have you got on the on the cars? What are you planning in terms of your coaching? Um, is there anything big you're working towards in terms of your training for this year, um, seeing as things are beginning to hopefully open up for you guys um, a little later in the year? Mm-hmm. So 2021, yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully it'll be better than 2020. (laughs) But um, what have we got planned? So me in particular, um, I would definitely like to keep growing my coaching business. Obviously, who doesn't? Um, I've only been coaching for about a year, so not even that. Um, I'd like to get to a point where kind of that business is sustaining itself you know i'm not having to look for clients we're getting referrals etc etc so that's a really big part is kind of driving that so getting those testimonials out there sharing my story sharing my client stories um i have got everyone's done it but i've got a free guide in the works um just something to kind of like give to people who are maybe not sure how to get started or like what they're missing within their training so it's pretty basic but I think that's what a lot of people need is just having the basics written down in front of them by somebody that they trust Mm -hmm. um and obviously you know your Instagram following does tend to trust you you'd hope um so that's that's kind of coming in the next few weeks um then we I mean I don't know whether I'm supposed to say this but Morgan's got his headphones on so I'll say it anyway (laughs) but um so we're potentially looking at kind of merging together um not necessarily our two separate coaching brands but maybe um launching kind of a group coaching um 
type of setup with the both of us. I think we've both got such different personalities and such different kind of uh, approaches that bringing it together and merging our personalities together and our audiences would be a really cool thing to do. So that's definitely on the cards um, for 2021. Nice. Um, we've both got aspirations to compete in 2022. So I guess preparations for that's are going to start this year mm. um probably start dieting around september october time maybe mm-hmm. a little bit later yeah. than that um and i think the biggest thing is i want to finish my house we've just moved house and <laughs> i want to get that finished yeah yeah so um, getting everything everything set up inside yeah definitely yeah um so they're, they're kind of the four main goals um cool. also doing an accounting course as well which wow. is a little bit random but um yeah that's that's on the cards for this year there's a lot going on for you yeah <laughs> i'm busy no, that's, that's, why, that's why that's why i need the sleep yeah absolutely yeah well i don't want to keep you too much longer because it's probably about bedtime <laughs> for you right now huh <laughs> I mean, you're getting there, but... Okay, we're almost there. (laughs) So um, I guess final question for you, I like to ask uh, all of our guests is, what is one thing that you think people should, uh, you know, one eye-opening experience that people should have uh, in their lifetime? Oh, an eye-opening experience. Yeah, what's one eye-opening experience that people should experience, you know, and and it's, it's something that's, you know, completely from your perspective of what, you know, what you think people should experience in their lifetime. I think everybody should experience pushing themselves to their limit and not in a negative way, but really finding something that makes them feel passionate and makes them feel happy and energized and being able to pursue that and take it to the absolute extreme. Um, because I think the adrenaline that you get from knowing that you're waking up every day to do the thing that you love is just, it, 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 it's unreal. And I, I'd never had that before, before I started bodybuilding. I'd, I'd kind of drifted throughout my whole life, like drifted through school, drifted through uni. And it wasn't until I found bodybuilding for me, it's obviously not going to be bodybuilding for everybody, but yeah. finding that thing that just you can pour your complete heart and soul into. And, and yeah, that is, it is eye-opening because you don't realize how much you've got to give until you find that thing that you want to give it to. Yeah. No, that's mm-hmm. so good. I love that. So to finish up here, I want to thank you for your time tonight and uh, for uh, coming on and sharing your story and, and uh, hopefully inspiring some people along the way. And, and um, I want to give you the floor to plug away, let, it, let the people know where they can find you <laughs> and, uh, and get know more about your coaching and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've never done a plug before, so this is going to be – yeah, I know. This is your, first your sales attempt. pitch right up here. Yeah, Let's wish, go. wish me luck. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I operate mostly through Instagram. So if anybody is looking to find me, they will find me at that underscore vegan underscore bodybuilder. Um, you know, you'll find all my posts, but in my bio, you will find um, my coaching link. So you can book a call with me via that. Um, you know, my DMs are always open if people have got any questions, people want to get to know me a little bit more. I'm in my stories quite a bit as well. So sure. you'll, you'll kind of see me through there. Um, I mean, I want to say you can reach me on email, but 
Instagram is, is probably better. Also on Facebook and at the same um, address, that vegan bodybuilder. Um, work primarily with vegans, mix of males, females, um, vegans mostly, but also some non-vegans. Cool. Um, so yeah, and you know, who wouldn't want to work with me? As we've just so we've just established I'm brilliant. So absolutely, we've just we've yeah. just sold your entire coaching business. We're having all the inquiries after this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome! Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, hey, go get some sleep, and um, we'll hopefully catch you another time, maybe in person next time, which would be super fun. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, really enjoyed this. So yeah. Oh, enjoy your day as it's now going to be your daytime. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a whole day ahead. Wicked. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Howard. So, just to clarify a couple of those numbers for you, for you ladies out there, um, we'll give you just some rough, rough guidelines here. If you are 140 pound female, which is around 63 kilograms, you're likely to to gain anywhere from 0.3 to 0.5 kilograms of muscle per month. Now that's for within your first year of training. So if you're brand new to training, and we mean like good training, so consistent sleep, consistent nutrition, and optimal environment for muscle gain, so generally a surplus from maintenance, um, and with a very good structured progressive overload plan yeah there's small amount 0.3 to 0.5 kilograms per month but that adds up to a large amount of muscle mass in the first year around about five kilograms in the first year so this kind of alludes to that kind of newbie gains era right when you first start training you start to gain a lot of muscle mass it's very motivating but as the years go on there's diminishing returns from your efforts so in the second year it might be 3.2 kilograms in the third year 1.6 kilograms now as we know it's very hard to actually measure this accurately we don't have very accurate methods of measuring body fat percentage and therefore muscle mass gain as well so the best you know the best thing to do is just to monitor body weight over time monitor your strength across multiple sets and exercises within the gym and look at your physique progress over time to see if you're gaining muscle mass you don't have to be aiming for this nitty-gritty i want to gain 1.6 kilograms of muscle mass this year Um, But just keep in mind that if you want to be consistently gaining muscle mass long term, it is about being consistent. It's about having that long term approach. It does take time. Like I've said in previous podcasts, it's like watching paint dry, but it's just a hell of a lot slower. So stick with the process. Enjoy that journey and look towards, you know, gaining appreciable amount of muscle mass long term, which for females, as Howes has noticed, you know, you can look to gain around about 22 pounds i believe she said um, of muscle mass within your training career which is you know around about nine to ten kilograms of, of muscle mass so it's a lot of muscle mass and they can really change the look of a physique if that is what you want to do so that's it guys episode 25 is done be sure if you enjoyed the episode screenshot your phone right now throw it up on instagram let us know where you're listening from and what you enjoyed about the episode it's always great to see you guys enjoying the episodes as well i'm going to sign out we'll be back hopefully in a couple of weeks i've got a few episodes lined up to come out uh, with episode 26 it's going to be a goodie but for now guys go lift up go eat up and more plants